Welcome to Heart Talk. I'm your host, writer, educator, and creator, Tracy Michelle. I didn't know that when I chose deeper as my word for 2019 and on New Year's Day jumped into an icy cold Atlantic Ocean as a symbol of my willingness to take risk and do the unthinkable to go where most will never go, that that's exactly what I would have to do this year. Deeper in my own journey toward emotional and physical healing like I'm literally recording this from my makeshift studio at home, deeper in my relationship with God, deeper in my excavation of all the pain that I'd buried, and even deeper in my experience of true peace and joy. It has certainly been one of those be careful what you ask for seasons. You know what I mean? Some of y'all, some of us have asked God for more patience and are sitting around trying to figure out why everybody around us is trying us. (laughs) Be careful what you ask for, sis. Bruh, (laughs) be for real, like be careful. Anyway, one of the things I've learned this year is the value of no matter what, holding on to hope. And maybe that's why I'm excited about this inaugural episode of Heart Talk because it really is a manifestation of my hope in the midst of a season that, I mean, some might call hopeless, depending on, you know, the lens. We've all seen what happens when a person, a people become hopeless. Hopeless people have nothing to lose. And in some cases they turn to destructive behaviors for the satisfaction of that fear and anger, which, I believe are probably the drivers of despair. And if we're honest, we've all been there, right? Like, you know, that feeling of when you just say F it, I'm going to eat this whole bag of Oreos. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. Or you say, forget it. I'm, I'm going to drink this whole bottle of Hennessy because I don't care anymore. In fact, I don't care so much that I'm going to drive home after drinking said bottle of Hennessy because I don't care anymore. And the result of all of that can be, and it often is, more traumatic than we anticipated. Deep down, we do care. We want to, at least. I know it's cool nowadays to say, I gives no Fs. And there are certainly areas where maybe we are too preoccupied with what people say or think, but that's not what I'm talking about here. Um, hopelessness is a driver of so much of the awfulness awfulness we see in this world. And for real, for real, for me, hope keeps me sane. It gives me something to envision for my future. It fuels my faith. You know, uh, that old passage that we see often in, in scripture and in, at least in my faith tradition, um, your faith has made you whole. And when I think about those stories, like I think about the biblical account of Jesus, you know, healing people, it wasn't the touch of the woman with the issue of the blood that healed her. 
It was her faith, her hope, and the possibility that she could be healed if she just touched the hem of his garment, right? And that seems to be the running theme in that biblical record, right? Jesus constantly saying, um, do you want to be made whole? Or things like, you know, your faith has healed you. So with hope, I think also comes peace. See, I tend to be a skeptic, even a cynic at times, but I've learned that peace cannot live alongside my cynicism. It works in tangent with my hope. And sometimes even healthy skepticism um, can impede my ability to hold out hope for healing, for something to happen beyond my wildest imagination, a miracle perhaps. It was hope that sent me to therapy. It was hope that had me seek out a form of therapy called EMDR in order to deal with uh, past traumas. And I think we'll talk about EMDR in this show, um, eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. Um, And I've said all that to say um, that today I wanted to open up this season of episodes with an interesting talk on trauma and how storytelling and art helps to heal it. I'd like to share with you a conversation that I had with Annette Day. Annette is a licensed clinical social worker based out of the Metro Philadelphia area. She's also a behavioral health therapist serving both children and adult clients. And she's the president of the Pennsylvania Society for Clinical Social Workers. As a mental health professional who is also a survivor of domestic violence, incest, and child sexual assault, Annette is also a writer whose short story, In Search of Soul, The Parallel Process of a City and a Black Woman on the Brink, was published in an anthology tribute to Nina Simone. I thought she'd be a great person to talk to about the ways that art and storytelling can help someone who's looking to heal from trauma or traumatic experiences. So Heart Talk fam, let's peek in on the conversation and let's welcome Annette to the show. Hello, Annette. Hi, <laughs> Tracy. Thank you so much for coming to Heart Talk. I appreciate it so much. So this is the question that we always ask every one of our guests um, is, how's your heart today? How are you feeling? I am feeling today very blessed and very grateful. Um, it is a Monday and it, the weather this morning was not like it was over the weekend. The weekend was like sunny and beautiful and we were active, me and the kids, and we woke up. I think we all like woke up on the wrong side of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, it's pouring and it's a Monday and we have like all this stuff to get ready. Um, and then, but so we had to power through. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I got both the kids off, you know, and I started my day. Um, and then, you know, I was thinking about like how it must be for many of the clients I serve, like to have this cloud over them mm-hmm. all the time. Um, I sent my mom a picture, a Bitmoji, it was like me with a cloud over it. Um, and so right now I'm feeling very blessed. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling grateful because I was able to power through mm-hmm. and I'm here with you yeah. um, and I'm feeling good. <laughs> um, so yes, my heart is feeling very full right now. Awesome. Well, I can say that we are grateful to have you. We're actually recording this right in the middle of Heart Space. 
Um, so we are in the pop-up, quarterly pop-up space that we have here in Lansdowne, Pennsylvania. Um, so the background noise may be there a little bit if you hear a car <laughs> driving by, that's okay. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the work that you do um, as a social worker um, and as a private therapist. Yes. Um, and so tell us a little bit about what you do and then we'll dive into, you know, what that means for all of our Heart Talk listeners. Absolutely. Well, thank you for asking. Um, so, yes, I am a therapist. Well, I'm a social worker by training. I like to say that because people oftentimes mix up um, social workers with, for instance, caseworkers and don't really appreciate who we really are. So I will say I do have my master's in social work, so I'm a social worker. Title protection is big in a social work field because unfortunately, um, and for instance, in child protective services, people automatically assume that everybody that works for, for instance, DHS is a social worker. And a lot of times people have their bachelor's degree, but it might be like in history. So which is okay, but it's not they don't necessarily have the same training and the same ethics um, as trained social workers do. So um, start by saying I am a social worker. And um, as a social worker and a therapist, I wear many hats. So I work full time um, for Family Practice and Counseling Network, which is currently a part of RHD and has been since the formation. Um, and I see I'm an outpatient therapist. So I have about like 32 clients that I see like on a regular basis. It just, I'm very blessed that I found my life's work. Mm -hmm. um, when I was younger, I wanted to be like a lawyer or a nurse and everything but a therapist. I never knew like, until you know, like becoming a social worker and even going to therapy that I wanted to be a therapist. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so full time, I'm a therapist. Um, and I also have a private practice, Boundary Span LLC, in which I also see clients um, as their therapist. And I do clinical supervision, so people trying to get their C, because I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Mm -hmm. People trying to get that, I help them with their supervision hours, um, help them accumulate those. Um, and in addition to that, I do some mediations and trainings and things like that. Yeah. Um, and lastly, but not, well, I'm a mommy first, but I don't say that. <laughs> I'm a mommy in a while. Yes. <laughs> Which my social work skills. Which is important. <laughs> yes. My social work skills come in handy with the kiddies. I love that. I love that. Well, um, also the um, vice president for the Pennsylvania Society for Clinical Social Workers. And as of July 1, I'll be your president, which is nice. a big role in itself. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Go ahead. I love that. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting when I think about what you just said and all the, the hats that you carry, one of the things that I know you do a lot of work around is self-care for people who find themselves in helping profession, uh, professions. Um, and a lot of what I want to do with Heart Talk is really looking at the ways in which um, we can use the arts. Um, and that can be anything. It can be movement, it can be writing, it can be uh, visual arts like painting, etc. The ways in which people use arts to heal from trauma. And so I'd love to get your take. I know for me, I uh, am a writer. Everyone knows that I'm a writer. Um, and um, but I started painting about I want to say like five, six years ago, um, not because I was trying to be the next whoever, but because it was a way for me outside of what I did for a living to deal with some trauma that I am, childhood trauma, specifically around sexual assault and sexual trauma. And so um, it was a way for me to, and I heard um, a, a 
artists articulate this in a way that really made sense to me, um, Addie Neves actually, um, it was a way for me to put my pain someplace. Mm -hmm. So I was able to put my pain on the canvas mm -hmm. and the canvas could hold it. Mm -hmm. And so um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about the ways that you have seen people, clients, et cetera, use the arts or use storytelling as a way to work through trauma in your experience, especially children. I mean, if you're dealing with, you know, children who have who are dealing with some significant trauma. Oh, absolutely. Well, well first of all, thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also a survivor of child sexual assault and um, trauma and abuse. And um, actually, like talking about the arts, I started writing when I was just getting out of my trauma journey. Um, and it was also a way for me to just put it somewhere, um, in addition, you know, to going to therapy and doing that part of the healing, to put it somewhere like outside of me. Because like as trauma survivors, we often feel it in our bodies. Um, and the trauma has real significance and real effects on our bodies. Um, so the arts can be definitely a great way to get it like outside of us, you know, put it somewhere and then it helps us to reflect. So for instance, like in addition to like, you know, my own writing, it was very therapeutic for me. So I encourage other clients, I encourage clients to write um, as one way to heal. Like, and it might be like journaling, it might be like writing a letter to, you know, your um, perpetrator, you know, and throwing it away or burning it, whatever, whatever is going to be like most healing to you. Um, and I'm, I'm very fortunate to work in a place that um, is very holistic and also like within my private practice I really talk about like again holistic self-care um, so for instance where I'm at now like we have a mind-body um, clinician who does like meditation and she does Reiki um, and yoga and so we really encourage our clients to in addition to like the therapy and some clients you know that I have are also on medication but in addition to all that like we have things that you can take home with you because you know I'm an outpatient therapist I don't go home with them um, so do things like at home like in your day-to-day -day that you can um, implement on a regular basis and so yeah that might be dance even like music is very therapeutic for me for myself as well as many clients that I have like um, I have a whole playlist it's called my self-soothing music mm -hmm. this morning I was like I gotta put myself through the music mm. on <laughs> Honey, Beyonce get you free. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta turn on a little bit and drop it real quick. Exactly. Let it out. And let it out. If, a, if a twerker lets it out, then you know a twerk or two might be a healing. Yes, exactly. So however we need to get it out. Right. Yes, dance, writing, movement. Um, singing, whatever, mm. like gets it out in art. Yeah, like they putting, like you said, on canvas. And there's so many different mediums now, so I can really appreciate that. A lot of times we have people who resist the kinds of uh, therapy or you know treatment that's out there. Uh, I know even as a creative, there are artists out there who don't like their work to be viewed as that, or don't or resist their own kind of healing process. And so I'm curious, um, why do you think people resist uh, therapy or treatment? <laughs> 
Well, I think the stigma is real. Um, you know, people, you know, think, you know, going to see a therapist means, means that they're crazy. You know, and that's not the case at all. You know, everybody needs somebody to talk to. Everybody needs a support. Um, and so, yeah, and, and so um, people see, you know, they don't want to be deemed it or viewed as crazy. And so they say, oh, no, I'm not going to see a therapist or I'm not going to see a psychiatrist. That's for crazy people. Um, when in actuality, we, we all need... We all need to have, again, a sense of support. You know, therapists see therapists too. Um, and also, you know, um, working through trauma is hard. You know, it's hard work. There's, there's no easy button. And so what I tell people is to trust me, um, you know, because we're going to be working through it and it's going to be hard work. So you might not feel better right away. You know, if you're, you know, if you're long-term therapy, you're not going to, there's no magic in the wand. So you're not probably not going to feel better tomorrow you know, when we, we just started the day, we're coming multiple times a week. Some people come every week, multiple times a week, every couple of weeks or so. But it's a process, you know, there's no easy button. It's hard work, it's painful because you are revisiting wounds, you know, mm -hmm. and trauma and trauma is fun. Yeah, right, <laughs> nobody wants to hurt. Mm -hmm. um, we want we want the, like the, the magic pill, we want to take the yes. happy pills and keep it moving. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's hard work, you know, when we ask people to like, when people go through treatment, you know, I think deep down people have a sense that, hey, this is this is not going to be like me going to a picnic, you know. Mm. Um, this is it's hard. And we naturally, as humans, we resist things that are hard. Yeah. And I mean, it, it brings up things. It's so funny because when I go into therapy, <laughs> my therapist laughs at me because I always say, okay, so I need an immediate solution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't right. want, I don't need this process. I don't need to be going through this for any lengthy period of time. I need you when I leave here today to give me a solution. And she's like, that's not how this works. And this is not how it's going down. <laughs> but that's, that's, I am very much that person. And it took a long time for me to just respect the process mm -hmm. and respect the fact that I um, am going to have to sit in sometimes that pain a little bit um, in order to overcome it. Yes. Um, I, it's interesting, um, earlier you were talking about African-Americans specifically and how slavery and oppression has an impact. I mean, it is a traumatic experience that's in our DNA. Mm -hmm. You know, you talk about, um, I think it's Joy DeGruy's work on post-traumatic slave syndrome and this idea that some of that stuff generationally is passed down yes. and even current uh, present day oppression, yes. right? And the impact of seeing you know, what I call sometimes trauma porn, right? Mm. Just constantly, especially with 24-hour news cycles yes. and, and social media. Um, but I was thinking this morning in the shower um, that I don't know if black people, I think we would have gone the way of the Mayans mm. had it not been for our ability to tell stories in the arts. Because it was I the agree. thing that we were allowed to do, yes. right? Right, mm -hmm. to dance, to sing. You know, I know there's stereotypes that are associated with that. But the ability, I mean, if you think about the innovation that's come out of the black community here in America, we don't have, we wouldn't have jazz, we wouldn't have country, we wouldn't have, you know, rock and roll, we wouldn't have R&B, we wouldn't have hip hop, we wouldn't have any major genre of music, mm -hmm. right? And that's just music, but yeah. that's not even dance, that's mm -hmm. not even the great writers, right? And 
I believe that as a survival technique, we learn how to channel that pain into someplace else, to put it someplace else. Um, And even, you know, taking the ancestry of Africa and the storytelling, the passing, the griot, like that kind of thing, and telling stories in new ways in the new world, so to speak, Mm -hmm. the alleged new world, right? Um, Was a way to stay alive. And that's what I hope people get, that we can continue that. We can continue to use arts as a way to heal, to live, to thrive. Um, and I feel like that's, that's the key. That's the ticket. And it may look different for, like, I'm sure, you know, some clients will, I'm not going to be walking around singing around the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, so for, it may look different for people. But I'm wondering... Um, for you, what has you know? Have you seen success stories? I know you have, like people who have started in one place and have gone someplace else as a result of them either telling their stories in a particular way or using the arts. Oh, absolutely! Well, thank you for asking that that question. So so powerful and so profound because it's true, you know. Um, and I, I want to like circle back and talking about like how we had to survive. I mean, it was a survival technique to through the arts, even if as damn, even like even going as far as like hairstyles, you know, they put like, we put maps, you know, mm-hmm. in our cornrows <laughs> right. and we have all these elaborate exactly. hairstyles because they were maps to freedom mm-hmm. and there were ways to get our stories told. Yes. Um, so uh, the arts, you know, we need the arts. It's not a luxury. You know, I see these inner, inner city schools and they try to do Why do you think they try to take away like music, you know, and arts and stuff? Because they don't, they don't want our people to have it. I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but you know, <laughs> right. it's, there's reasons behind all of this. I mean, and again, it just it permeates throughout our history. And I have, yes, to answer your, your question, I, I definitely have had successes where people, like they might they might have never picked up a pen, you know, to mm. tell their story. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, you know, they have like a book of poetry, mm. you know, and it's, and they carry it with them, you know, I mean, and they say, this, this is my story. Mm-hmm. And it's, I just feel so blessed to be a witness mm-hmm. um, and to be a vessel. Um, I'm sorry, I might get a little emotional. <laughs> uh, we cry <laughs> at the heart talk, baby. We get that crown okay. over here. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, it's just a blessing to to witness it, like people changing through the arts and, and healing um, and being open to the treatment because they, they see what a difference it's making and they're, they're seeing it, they, they're healing. And you know, we might, we might not ever be fully healed, you know, like I sometimes get triggered, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I mean, at least, you know, we're, a lot of times we're in a better position to help others because, right. you know, we've again been a witness, you know, and we can, we can relate, you know, and we can pour into others, you know, as we've been poured into. Yeah. I think that's, that's a huge and a, and a great way to kind of end our conversation. I think it's huge because um, sometimes we are looking like, I'm done, I'm healed. And I honestly think, I because I am regularly actually re-triggered, right? Mm-hmm. You know, especially mm-hmm. nowadays yeah. with the news and everything. It's everywhere. Um, but I have now have the tools. Mm-hmm. And I think at, at the end of the day, therapy and, you know, the arts and everything that's used, that we use, gives us a way to number one be aware of what's happening in our bodies in our minds but then also a way to manage it right so i know when i'm on the verge of a panic attack i can feel it coming Mm -hmm. and i can say i can do my deep breathing i can do my grounding exercises i can go and paint Mm -hmm. i can go and write 
I can go and listen to Beyonce and twerk, right? <laughs> I, can, I can do whatever those things, but, and I'm aware of it. There's a consciousness, and I think sometimes it's just um, there's a lot of people walking around that are unconscious, right, mm-hmm. of... Uh, they they feel something, right. you know, and so they're just reacting mm-hmm. and they're not necessarily um, knowing that there's specific things that they can do to help move through that place right. so that they can go on to whatever else they have to do. And so I just, I um, am increasingly aware of the, how necessary this work is. So I want to thank you yeah. for doing what you do on a daily basis. <laughs> Um, and, and the fact that you are becoming the president of this association means that you're not only doing the work in your own community, but you are influencing those out there who are doing it in their communities. And that's huge impact. So, sister, just give us all the black girl magic. Yes, 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 thank you. Um, and we appreciate you for coming to Heart Talk, one of our first episodes. Um, and... Uh, you know, I, I'm excited to hear the feedback. Thank you, know? you. thank you so much, Tracy. I appreciate you, Yay. and thank you for all the work you're doing with Heart Talk and Heart Space and, and pouring into the community. Oh, oh, it's just, it's it does a heart good. Yeah, <laughs> hey, does a heart good. I might borrow that, can I have that? Yes. <laughs> all right, thank you. Thank you. Heart Talk is written and produced by my mommy, Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggins, for Heart Space and New Season Books and Media. Go to hearttalkpodcast.com to learn more. See you next time.